When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the imbalanced history of rock and roll. I'm your one host, Ray Coob. I'm the other host, Marcus Goldman. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. Feeling good. A little uh, kinked. You're feeling kinky? Nah, just kinked. Oh, well, there is a difference. Big difference. Funny that we're both talking like this because this week on the podcast, it's all about the kinks. And you know, they didn't even like the name, but we'll get to that because really it's a good story. If you think about it, man, the story of two youngest brothers, what were there, eight kids in their house. God bless them. <laughs> That's a huge family. I'm sure the older siblings picked on the two of them quite a bit. Six older sisters. You know it, brother. It was a funny time to be growing up in London, and it must not have helped that Dave had an older brother and all those older sisters. So he was like the baby of the family. But in some ways, he's the most accomplished and creatively genius of them all, even though Ray gets most of the songwriting credit. But those two last efforts by Mr. and Mrs. Davies really uh, turned out to be the family fortune, don't you know? The boys were very lucky that their parents had a lot of music playing in their house, whether it be the jazz, the early rock and roll of the boys and their older sisters, mm -hmm. or like the big band music hall type of music that their parents were listening to at that time. Frederick and Annie were moving on up, and they moved their young family into the suburb of Muswell Hill. And Muswell comes into play cheekily a little bit later in our discussion of the kinks. They happened to write a lot of cheeky songs in those days. Great sense of humor. Well, the two brothers, whether to insulate themselves against the sisters or just because they liked music and wanted to play together, started both playing guitar. A lot of stuff flying in there. They learned the skiffle. You know, that's what everybody was learning before rock and roll took over. Even during their secondary modern school, the Ray Davis Quartet was formed. Ray and his friend Pete Quaife and Quaife's friend John Stark. It's funny because they named it after Pete. Well, it, it seemed like it was either the Ray Davis Quartet or the Pete Quaife Quartet, depending on who booked the gig. Okay. Right. <laughs> Remember, we're talking high schoolers here. It's the Ray Davis Quartet. No, it's the Pete <laughs> the fact that another student at William Grimshaw Secondary Modern School sang with them once in a while was pretty trippy, too. A lad that would later be known famously as Rod Stewart. Yeah, Roderick. And then he moved on to form his group, the Moonrakers, which gets on the radar of his personal history. And they became rivals with Ray and Dave. How about that shit? Schoolyard rivals. 
will jam against you in the playground after school. Strings will be broken. <laughs> so Ray leaves to go study. He goes to Hornsley College of Art. There you go, another art school guy. And while there, he decides that he's going to ask Alexis Corner about stuff. They play at the college, and he recommends that they hook up with Giorgio Gomelski, who managed the Yardbirds at one point, and he puts Ray in touch with a band called the Dave Hunt Band, a professional group of guys who play jazz and R&B. Now, that comes up because that band briefly had a guy named Charlie Watts playing drums. You see how the streams are crossing here early in rock and roll in London? Those early days of the late 50s, early 60s in London and that whole area, the suburbs, is crazy how much how much crossing between the bands and the musicians there was. They all seem to have done little short stints with each other or with friends of friends or friends, and it's pretty wild. Now, another one of those little moves that's part of the equation, Ray leaves the Dave Hunt Band and joins the Hamilton King Band, who were also known as the Blues Messengers, and that had a guy named Pete Bardens as their pianist because I don't think they were using synthesizers and organs and stuff then, but he would go on to be part of the progressive group Camel. He'd also play with Rod Stewart, who's also in this story. Uh, Peter Green, Mick Fleetwood, Van Morrison, people like that were all part of what Peter Bardens did. And there he is, hanging with the Davies boys. Now, somebody got the idea that they needed a name change and they became the Ramrods. And I think a lot of people have heard of that name. But a lot of this is strange material to me as we learn getting ready to do this episode this week. And I've been listening to the Kinks since they first came out of my radio. Now, we were talking about, depending upon who booked the gig was the name of the band, they started working with managers and some different people got involved. And they worked under multiple names. So it's hard to say... Uh, which night they were going to be the Pete Quaife Band or the Bull Weevils or the Ravens, which stuck for a while. And that's another name we heard that the Kinks have used before they became the Kinks. And for a short period, they were switching managers the way they were changing clothes, <laughs> it seems. They had uh, Grenville Collins and Robert Wace for a while, and then pop singer Larry Page became their third manager. Then American record producer Shel Tommy began working with the band, and then Beatles promoter Arthur Howe started working with the band and showing up at their shows. Do you remember the story of The Who with Shel Tommy in it? He was the guy that helped them to pull their heads out of their butts and get things on track when they needed it. Maybe that was his specialty, and he was still finding that out. Like everybody, they wanted to find a way to get on a record label. They had an unsuccessful audition for a lot of them. And then Talmy steps in and gets them a deal with Pie Records, P-Y-E. They were pretty prominent with the rock and roll crowd back in those days. They also find a new drummer. Mickey Willett, but he left, and that's when the Ravens, as they were called then, invited Mick Avery to replace him, and I guess he's been irreplaceable ever since. And you know how he found out about the gig? Tell me, could it have been an ad? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yes, it was an ad in Melody Maker, ding, which ding, isn't ding, a ding, small brand. It's a bigger music rag, especially at that time. It was very big. Yes. It's always an ad at the heart of all this connection shit back in those days. Now it's all on the internet and on your phone, right? At the touch of an audio button. 
Now, there was a guy named John Savage who was a writer, and he was in their circle, and he kind of told them they needed something gimmicky, something to get attention. And he thought the Kinks might be fun as a name, and it stuck. And later, Ray basically said, well, I didn't really like it, but we were kind of stuck with it. And in those days, Papa Britain and all that didn't want to be called Kinky. Well, the one thing that's clear about the music of the Kinks, you can find it anywhere that anything about the British invasion can be found on music services. But if you really, really want to find out what the nooks and crannies are all about, listen to a few of their albums or get on their Wikipedia page and start looking at songs and finding out what they are. Maybe you'll discover some favorites that you never knew about. Now, Marcus, I know at some point later in the story, you discover the kinks and find out that you like not only a lot of the stuff they're putting out then, but the stuff they put out at the beginning as well. So true, Ray. I remember hearing Destroyer on the radio for the first time and being like, holy shit, what is this? This is heavy and it is so good. And it's pretty dark, too. It's about somebody going crazy in their mind. I just was like, holy shit, teenager, high school, this is so different. And then I started hearing and paying attention to other songs by the Kinks. And I had known, like, where have all the good times gone? Van Halen had covered it. And I'd heard the original, You Really Got Me, which Van Halen also covered. And I had heard the original, And All Day and All of the Night, which I had heard the Stranglers covered it. Um, So I was familiar with the Kinks, and I liked them. But I didn't like them as much as I grew to like them after listening to Destroyer and learning about them. Well, they kind of started off on a misstep. In the UK, it hit number 42, their version of Little Richard's Long Tall Sally. That was only the beginning of what was to be a banner year in 1964 and in 65 for the Kinks, starting with the aforementioned You Really Got Me, the famous incident where Dave wants to get it dirtier and cuts the cone and everything happens on tape. 
one take had that amazing sound. And it took them to UK number one and established them in the US with a number seven pop chart hit. And they were actually in trouble with their label. The label was disappointed in the fact that the first two singles, Long Tall Sally and You Still Want Me, failed to chart. And so they were kind of like ready to drop the kinks from their contract if the third single didn't chart. It did more than chart for Pi Records. It not only connected with the pop audience in Britain, it hit in America. And it really hit with that pirate radio crowd that we were talking about when we were talking about 1967. But here in 1964, You Really Got Me leads to all day and all of the night. Number two in UK, number seven again. They've got two songs on the U.S. radio in 1964. But that's small potatoes compared to what's going to happen for them in the year of 1965. I think one of the greatest songs they ever did, Tired of Waiting for You, number one in the UK, number six in the U.S. They were beginning to develop songwriting, so there were a lot of singles, and there was talk of albums, which we'll get to. The Misses, Everybody's Gonna Be Happy, or Set Me Free, Did Okay, See My Friends, another one like that. But Well-Respected Man kind of brings them back with another surge that takes them close to the top of the charts in the U.S. Cause he gets up in the morning, and he goes to work at night. And he comes back home at 5.30 Gets the same train every time Cause his world is built on punctuality It never fails And he's all so good And he's all so fine And he's all so healthy In his body and his 
Even though it's one of my most favorite energy songs from the Kinks, the follow-up till the end of the day doesn't do as well here in the U.S. But in the UK, it goes to top 10 and leads to a number four for dedicated follower of fashion is the follow-up. In 1966, they returned to the top of the pops, Marcus, with Lazen on a sunny afternoon. And it gets them into the top 15 in the US and all around the world, they're doing great. The tax man's taken all my dough and left me in my state. Like everybody else, at this point, the album game is pretty much a way to stack up singles and sell them in mass, right? Mm -hmm. It's not really like albums conceptually will become, but they're starting to rack up some numbers. I don't know what the strategy was from the record side, but I don't think they were as focused in the UK until they get to Waterloo Sunset. But that does like number two in England and next to nothing here, which I don't get because it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I don't understand how that didn't really do as well in the United States, especially with the previous successful songs that they've had and they're running on strong momentum. And that kind of success in England usually led to some success over on this side of the pond. It's not all working for some reason. And one of the reasons has to be the thing we talked about numerous times. Uh, even when we're not doing the podcast, we talked about their band from the uh, 
uh, musicians union from the U.S. for a period of his four years, five years before they finally get it lifted. It was, yeah, four or five years, something like that. Really ate into their career in the U.S. and made it impossible for them to make headway behind their airplay. Yeah, it's kind of weird how they got banned from the U.S. the way they did when some of the other musicians were doing a lot more crazy stuff at that time. Right, than having a fight on stage, which somehow threatened the entire industry of American touring. Which I don't really understand Yeah, There was something else there. There was something else there that nobody's talking about. I would love to know what that was from the uh, capitalist end or capitalist perspective. Or maybe there's dirt. Hey, listen, whatever it is, they find a way to get over it and move forward with Victoria, a great song from the Kink single catalog. That's at number 33 in the UK and in the mid-60s in the US. But other things are afoot, because as you know, it's around this time that they start to get embraced by the underground, the AOR, the Anything Goes FM radio crowd in the United States. And a lot of their music gets played, including some of the not-so-successful singles, because their fans want to hear it on their FMs. And they're hearing it there. It's just not charting on the top 40s. Now, somewhere in the middle of all this kind of madness that we're talking about, uh, Pete Quaife, who is now the late Pete Quaife, left the kinks, and then he came back and left again in 69, passed away back in 2010. John Dalton was in there for a lot of that time between 1969 and 76. Uh, when they needed players, they could find them even if the guys that they had started with didn't feel like doing it anymore or weren't doing it anymore. And until they added a live keyboard player later, their main guy in the studio was Nicky Hopkins, like so many other bands, right? Yeah, but he only stayed with them until he joined the Jeff Beck group, and then he was too busy right. to be able to continue with them. So, so they had to find somebody else to fill those shoes. Amazing shoes to try to have to fill. I'll just say that. Man, all this talk about great rock and roll is making me thirsty. You want a pint? Love a pint. All right. Let's hear from Boldfoot Socks and have a pint from Crooked Eye and back with more about the kinks next. Well, we're into the active part of the year, and that means more walking with golf and just doing walks for me. And already my Boldfoot Socks have come into play. The new ones I just got in the French Quarter in New Orleans on a vacation, Marcus, where I walked over 25 miles over the course of five days. That's awesome. And you didn't have stinky, muggy New Orleans sweaty feet, did you? No, my feet were dry. In fact, I couldn't feel them at all. It was wonderful. Hey, man, I've been wearing the socks quite a bit as well. The weather's getting nicer and... 
I am spending more time on my bike. I'm spending more time walking with my wife and my son. And a lot of times I'm wearing my bold foot socks. And when I'm doing longer rides, the bold foot socks do wonders in wicking the sweat off my feet so they're not as stinky after a ride and not as mushy. And I like that. Swampy feet, bad. Bold foot, good. <laughs> Check them out at boldfoot.com. Always a neat pair of socks. Anything you can want, any size, any style. You can find them at boldfoot.com. And don't forget, they give back to veterans' charities for every pair they sell. Boldfoot socks are American-grown, American-sewn. They're your feet. Be bold. Summertime is here, and it's time to get in and spend some time with your friends at Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hatboro. They're right there, just off York Road on Montgomery Avenue. And what goes on in the summertime, Mark, is you know you've been there when the doors are up and uh, the windows are open. Yeah, you get a nice little breeze running through the bar and you get all these tasty beers to try. And being that it's summertime, the summer beers are out. And don't forget the Salty Vets Barbecue. They've got cocktails. That's right. Craft cocktails from Pennsylvania distillers. Wine, you need it. You want some cider? They got that. Take a growler home or a gift certificate for a friend who loves Crooked Eye. But stop by anytime. You can find their calendar on their Facebook page. There's always something going on. Of course, the Crooked Eye band's there the second Saturday of every month. Come out and have a brew and make a new friend because that's part of what goes on when you visit Crooked Eye Brewery. Pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Like so many bands, the Kinks are at a turning point as the decade changes from the 60s to the 70s. And we're at the turning point of this episode. Ray Coob and Marcus Goldman together on The Imbalance History talking about the Kinks. And something interesting happens. 
we've been working off of two different documents we're looking at for the singles and the album, right? Mm -hmm. But here, as the decade turns to 1970 for the Kinks, the two begin to merge into one. Lola versus Power Man and the Money Go Round Part 1, they never put out a Part 2, as an album was really solid. It had what you'd call connective tissue. Solid album all the way through. Songs like Strangers really stood out to me re-listening to this album. Ray described that song as the best way to describe his and Dave's complex relationship. And as we know, those two had a very complex relationship. A lot of love and a lot of hate for each other at times. But a beautiful album. You have Eight Man Power Man on there. Of course, the big hit, Lola. Well, let's bring the singles into the album here. I meant to in a club down in Lotsoho Where you drink champagne and it tastes like Coca-Cola C-O-L-A Cola She walked up to me and she asked me to dance I asked her her name and in a top brown voice she said hello Lola hits number two in the UK, followed up by Eight Man at number five. I think I'm so educated and I'm so civilized because I'm a strict vegetarian. But with the overpopulation and inflation and starvation and the crazy politicians, I don't feel safe in this world no more. I don't want to die in a nuclear war. I want to sail away to a distant shore. And in the U.S., Lola, which still gets played a ton on classic rock radio, hit the top 10, and 8-Man, which I just love, hit number 45. Now, by that point, AOR Underground Radio was taking songs like that and many of the other deeper tracks from Lola, the album, and putting them on the air, the ones you mentioned, like Strangers Say. I also kind of like This Time Tomorrow, kind of an interesting song from that period from the band. Now, to go by U.S. terms, the next thing up was a movie soundtrack. The movie was called Percy. Oh, my God, yes. Of course you are. I saw your picture in the papers. Am I now supposed to touch you and say, you are the Percy man and claim my five pounds? Or is the price something more uh, imaginative? And I don't know much about it, but songs were written by Ray Davies, and uh, there they go, into the movie... Percy, which I I really don't know what impact it made other than they must have made some kind of deal to get Lola into the movie. Yeah, a very wild instrumental blues jam version of Lola. One of the great things, Marcus, about doing this podcast is that we go 
back and listen to albums we haven't listened to in a long time, in some cases, maybe ever. Uh, I hadn't heard anything other than a couple singles from the album Muswell Hillbillies, which comes out next in November of 71. And as I went back and listened to 20th Century Man, which I surely love from back when the album was out for the first time. I forgot how clever acute schizophrenia paranoia blues was the follow-up there. songs like skin and bone and alcohol good stuff from the brothers davies and those muswell hillbillies well that's because they grew up in muswell in the uh cheeky part of london i guess (laughs) (laughs) very much a cheeky uh look at their suburban life growing up the world was changing art was being infused into the musical realm in big doses too and the kinks felt it really on their next album everybody's in showbiz a concept both if you think about it and a concept album i don't think i have to tell you what my favorite is you know it's a crusty old piece of vinyl with the rca label on it turning on a turntable as celluloid heroes the story of the old days of hollywood plays like a movie on the radio everybody's a Everybody's in movies, doesn't matter who you are. There are stars in every city, in every house and on every street. And if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, their names are written in concrete. Don't step on Greta Carbo as you walk down the boulevard. So weak and fragile That's why she tried to be so hard But they turned her into a princess And they sat her on a throne But she turned her back on stardom Because she wanted to be alone You can see all the stars As you walk down Hollywood
inspired by the fact that Ray and Dave used to see a lot of movies as kids, and this was in a way a look at Hollywood through their innocent and maybe even naive eyes at that time. In a recent interview, Dave talked about that, and the interviewer asked about the kind of movies they watched, and he was like, pretty much anything. They were just devout movie fans, and it spilled over in this masterpiece, really, of all their albums, maybe the biggest masterpiece in 1972. Lots of great songs. Marcus, we haven't talked a lot about concept albums. Well, the Kinks kind of took concept albums to a whole nother level with 1973 and 1974's Preservation Acts 1 and 2. They really saw themselves as preserving part of what London and England was about musically. I never got much of the music from either one of them, really, though. Yeah, these albums didn't connect with me very much either. I think they're beautiful albums. But as you see, since 1968, the Kinks of the Village Green Preservation Society Almost every album of theirs is a concept album in some way. They continue to really uh, change with each album and take chances with each album with one or two attempts at a hit and then the rest of the album to support those hits and tell the complete story of whatever they're trying to tell with each album. You really put it very well and succinctly for a subject that could be very complex. Uh, not easy to explain is another way to put it. <laughs> and you really kind of tied it up there, I think, for a lot of folks. Because I think that we're not the only ones who get to this point in the program and go, well, what's going to happen? What happened here? What, you know, what's next? What's the big deal? And I think the answer is, sadly, a whole lot of nothing for a while. They've fallen out of favor here and there and pretty much everywhere. They seem to be very stubborn and headstrong in doing things the way Ray really wanted it done. And I guess the last two straws are the Kinks present a soap opera and uh, the follow-up Schoolboys in Disgrace. And I get it because as somebody who discovered those albums when I got to my college radio station, I went, oh, but I got to say, when the whole thing turned around and they became enamored of the folks at Arista Records and Clive Davis and his gang started talking to their managers and making things happen. Well, I was as pleased as any Kinks fan, especially when I saw the results on the Sleepwalker album. Now, at this point, it's the Davies brothers, John Dalton on bass, John Gosling on keyboards, and Mick Avery, as always, back there on the drums, right? Yeah. But the songs really were different in a great way. title track sleepwalker or jukebox music man i love that song but even the deep tracks evoke fond memories from that period in life it's only music only jukebox music it's only 
Like a lot of fans, I guess I was wondering whether this was the new trend or an anomaly. Turned out it was a trend. The next album, Misfits, filled with great songs, like the title track, Rock and Roll Fantasy. Hello you, hello me, hello people we used to be, isn't it strange? We never changed, we've been through it all, yet we're still the same. And I know, it's a miracle we still go, for all we know, we might still have a way to go. It's like they rediscovered their muse, or at least Ray had. Yeah, he wrote almost this entire record. Before I really knew who the Kinks were, Rock and Roll Fantasy is a song that I remember hearing on the AOR station in Denver. Another one, Permanent Waves, also is one that I remember from those early days before I was really a Kinks fan. The next album lands in timely fashion as America is struggling with long lines at the gas pumps and all the other stuff in 1979. Low budget with its song asking Superman, come and help America. I remember when you were down and you needed a helping hand. I can't defeat you. And then you have songs like Catch Me Now, I'm Falling, Pressure. Low budget. I'm on a low budget. This is where America was. And it's funny that the Muswell Hillbillies got it and brought it on home Mm -hmm. on this amazing record, which really propelled them somewhere they hadn't gone yet, I don't think. And that's up and stay up. A lot of why I think Ray and Dave really got it is because they loved America. They loved the blues and the jazz music. They loved Hollywood. They loved pop culture in America. They loved our society. And so for them to love it and see it from the outside and be a part of it as a touring band who is in and out of it gave them a unique perspective. And I think that's why they were clicking at this point, really, 
They do one for the road in 1980. It's one of those record it and get it turned around and out to the people as quick as we can. And it works and it keeps their momentum flowing into 1981 and the release of Give the People What the Fuck They Want, Marcus. To this day, Destroyer is still my favorite King song because of how it impacted me as a teenager. Always a favorite then and now of all radio-loving DJs around the dial. True story. Turntable hits matter. You could say they got it going on at this point, brother. They are hitting with every album, and it seems like they can't miss. And Ray's been producing for a while now, and they've got their own studio. They've had that for a little while now. It's all feeling so right, and they're finally hitting a level that maybe they could have been hitting all along. State of Confusion, another great song from a great album. But the lasting impact of come dancing and not to mention the revenue stream it's created in movies etc amazing for the kinks amazing for ray I remember falling in love with that video like it was an old school movie the first time I saw it. You really had that vibe to it. And the story that he tells just really was catchy. And it really made you love the kinks even more. Almost wistfully, the mournful, don't forget to dance. Such a beautiful song on this album full of pop energy. I thought, uh uh-oh. That's going to do it. They're probably going to be done now. You know, they've they've really had such a great run going since 1976, right? But they do it again on word of mouth. See what I did there? Also, Dave Davison's Living on a Thin Line. 
is on that album. So goddamn good. Great tune. I think if you were in the kinks in the early 70s and you said, don't worry, by 1981, 82, you're going to be on top of the world again. People might have thought you were either from the future or psychotic. But it's happening. And that's where they are into the 80s. And they keep delivering album after album, hit and tour after hit and tour. Now, I'll say Think Visual isn't their biggest album, but it certainly was a respectable album in their ongoing quest to rebuild the Kinks legacy. And that's followed by UK Jive and Phobia in 1993. And I don't know about you, man, but by that point, I was off into a million other directions and not really too concerned with what the new Kinks album was sounding like. Definitely in the same boat. Look at what we had in 1993 with Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and Rage Against the Machine and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and so many other bands releasing music. And again, not a knock on the kinks because nope. they were great. Yep. But there were all these other bands that were new and fresh and more relatable because of their ages, what they were writing about and our ages and what we that we were listening to and what their songs were saying to us. Still, all these years, people have asked them every year or two, one of them will get interviewed and they find a way to deflect the question about whether Ray and Dave could ever put the kinks back together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they have tried surreptitiously on an occasion or two to either mixed or bad results. And that's just conjecture on my part, by the way. But I, I think they probably have done that. They've got enough resources. They've got enough secrecy they can build around things. Go hang in a studio for a couple days. And I think they've done that too. It's just not there. But what they did is still amazing. How many bands get to come back twice in major fashion in an extended career that reaches through the decades? Not too many, man. Not too many. Yeah, sadly, I don't think we're going to see the Kinks get back together and do anything. We've been excited about the rumors that we've read in the media when they've popped up and when there have been sightings of the Davies brothers together. But realistically, I think that they've tried and they're both cool with where they are. I think you're right. And I think the world would just be happy to see Ray and Dave go into each other's house at Christmas, as an example. And just to know that they figured out the brother part of that thing. Because they've been having this problem for a long damn time. Ideally, it would be great to see them do one more big show together or one small tour together. But mm, mm -mm. I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're like the police. It just can't happen. So... I'll take it for what it was and what it's meant to me. And uh, hopefully we've uh, turned a few people who haven't heard much about the Kinks or a lot of their music before and uh, turned a page for some people today here on the podcast while doing that. Yeah, it's always wonderful when we can turn you on to new music or get you to revisit music you maybe haven't heard in a few decades. It's always interesting from that perspective to hear music from that time period as an older, wiser human being, because it hits in you theory. <laughs> in theory, hits you differently. Well, my friend, as always, it's great to talk about rock and roll that we love. And in this case, we're talking about a band that we've loved and been somewhat meh about at times. But you can't underestimate the importance of the kinks 
or how much you really love them because they have so many great songs. If we wanted to do a very detailed rabbit hole episode on the Kinks, it wouldn't be one. It would be seven, eight, nine because of how much music they've put out. 24 studio albums, a bunch of live albums, the things that have happened to them on the way, their solo careers. It would be a lot of episodes. So hopefully... Our overview did them justice. And if we missed anything, you can always email us, imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. You can contact us through our website, imbalancedhistory.com, or hit us up on social media, The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, at Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're on the Pantheon Podcast Network, a production of Dark Doc Media. Until the next time we crack the mics and put together another episode of the podcast. Signing off, I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this has been The Kinks on the Imbalanced History of Kink and Roll. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.